0: Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 to 3 please Ephesians 4 verses 1 to 3 As a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received Be completely humble and gentle be patient bearing with one another in love Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There, oh, and one more, okay, sorry. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort... Okay, I'll have to read that again. Sorry. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort. Keep the unity of the Spirit to the bond of peace. There is one body and one Lord. There is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called... One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one father over, uh, of or excuse me, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he what does he ascended mean, except that he also it to the lower earthly regions?
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome, especially if you're visiting with us here today. We're glad to have you. Those of you who are watching at home, we appreciate you tuning in and And watching and listening and joining us for fellowship. We talked about fellowship last week. And uh, we said that true fellowship has to do with that unique oneness that we share. We share the sevenfold oneness of Ephesians 4, 4 to 6, which Doug covered a minute ago. One of the seven things we share is the spirit. We share the spirit. And since Christians share the one spirit, we have a duty To the spirit and to each other. And that is to keep the peace. And that's what we've heard from the first three verses of that reading. And so we heard that we need to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. But here's the thing. When you think about it and you look at that passage, it's the spirit's unity that we keep. It's the spirit's unity that we keep and we keep that spirit's unity through the bond of peace. So the Greek word for unity here sheds light on things a little bit. and It's kind of interesting. It means agreement or oneness. So the unity of the Spirit, it means agreement or oneness. So we are to keep the agreement or oneness of the Spirit. Well, what does that mean? What agreement are we supposed to keep? What oneness are we supposed to keep? And that's why the Apostle Paul goes into verses 4 to 6. And he talks about the seven ones that we keep as Christians. That one uniqueness that we share, that one fellowship. So again, the sevenfold oneness of Ephesians 4, 4-6, that's what we share. We keep the Spirit's unity through the bond of peace. Well, we always have to work at peace, don't we? Peace isn't something that just comes easy. It's something we have to work at. It's part of being a Christian. Agape love makes us always seek the highest good. Of another, regardless of how that person treats us. That's the way a Christian should be. That we should seek the best for each and every person, regardless of how they treat us. Peace requires making decisions that will achieve peace. Sometimes we have to make decisions. Sometimes we have to tell ourselves, well, I'm just going to bite my tongue and I'm not going to say anything. Sometimes we say, okay, you know what, I, I'm really pumped up, I want to say something, but you know what, I'm, for the sake of peace, I'm not going to do that. So sometimes we have to make decisions about peace in order to keep peace. That's important. It requires us to to work at keeping peace. So whenever decisions have to be made, do we care about others? When decisions are made in regards to peace, do we care about others and want peace, or do we want things our own way? So we're talking about making decisions in order to keep peace. Does the decision made benefit everyone or do we tell ourselves, well, I don't care. It's good for me, so I don't care about anybody else. You know, What kind of attitude do we have when it comes to wanting that peace? How badly do we want that peace? Selfishness interferes with the peace process, doesn't it? Our selfishness sometimes interferes with peace. We have to realize that in most cases, people who behave like that, people who are selfish, who don't want peace, sometimes they're struggling with peace. But not peace with others, but rather peace with themselves and peace with God. And so that's something that we have to think about. When we see somebody who's being unruly, who's not being peaceable, who doesn't want peace, we have to ask ourselves, are they struggling with something? Are they dealing with something right now? Is that why they're behaving the way that they're behaving? Well, I've met a lot of people in my time who seemed really evil to other people. And they seemed really selfish, but they were hurting people. They were hurting on the inside. They weren't at peace with themselves. And for some reason, some of those people, they didn't like themselves very much. But they didn't know how to change it. They didn't know what to do to change that about themselves so that they weren't selfish. They didn't understand what was going on inside of them, in their minds and in their hearts. And for others, it was because of something horrible that they went through. Maybe they suffered a loss. Somebody they loved very much, they lost them, and and they're hurting because of that. Or maybe something that happened in their childhood. Maybe they were bullied in their childhood and they never got over it. So some people are bitter. Some people, they don't want peace because they have no peace within them. They struggle. Well, God wants us to know peace. God wants to know, wants us to know peace with him, peace within ourselves, and peace with others. He wants us to know that peace. Peace starts with the individual before it can be achieved with others. But it has its root in the peace that we find in Christ Jesus. So let's look at an example of this. I've selected the text, Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 to 9. We're going to take a look at that passage. And in that passage, we see a situation about peace, a requiring peace, and how it was handled. And we're going to see a few things in there that's going to be helpful for us, how we can achieve peace in ourselves. So let's start by reading verses 2 and 3 of Philippians chapter 4. So Paul says this, he says, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, loyal, (coughs) loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. So Paul said in this letter to the Philippians that he pleads with these two women to get along. To agree in the Lord, or some translations will say, to be of the same mind. They were to be of the same mind. So we see two ladies who are part of the Lord's church who are having a disagreement. They weren't getting along. Something's going on there. This was likely even more than just a disagreement because it was so bad that it had come to the attention of Paul, who wasn't even there. But he heard about it. So it would be like us hearing about two women fighting in another congregation. And it's reached our ears all the way over here. And we're like, wow, you know it's bad if, if we're hearing it all the way over here, something that happened in another congregation. So very bad. So there's no indication of any kind of what the issue is. It's not we don't read anything about false doctrines or anything like that. But probably, most likely, it's probably a clash of personalities. That's what we're we're looking at. So Paul pleads with them to agree in the Lord, he says. And other translations, as I mentioned, say to be of the same mind in the Lord. Another translation says to have the same attitude in the Lord. The same attitude in the Lord. So we can see that it had to do with behavior. That's one thing we know for certain. Whatever it was, they weren't behaving properly. So you'll notice that Paul pleaded with both women separately. I don't know if that jumps out at you when you look at it. Which sounds better to you? I ask both of you to agree in the Lord. Or I ask you, you odia, and I ask you, syndicate, to agree in the Lord. Which one sounds better? It sounds to me that he's, he's got a gentle approach here in the way that he deals with them. He wanted to be gentle. He said that these two women had contended at his side in the cause of the gospel. Well, he's pointing out that these were two good women. And this shows the kind of wisdom that he had. He was wise enough to know just exactly how to handle the situation. And so Paul then asked the loyal yoke fellow, it says, to help these two women along with Clement and the rest of Paul's fellow workers. If you look at the footnote at the bottom of your Bible, not all the Bibles will have it, but a lot of them will. It'll say loyal Syzygous. And so some scholars believe that this is the name of a person, quite possibly one of the elders of the church in Philippi. Yet other scholars believe it's just a proper name which means Christian, or that's, or yoke fellow, which is the way it's translated. So regardless, this is the person that Paul asked to help these ladies. And we know from Philippians chapter 2 verse 25 that Epaphroditus is the one who shared all this news with Paul, including this. And so the fact that Paul asked this loyal yoke fellow to help the two sisters in Christ, along with Clement, along with all these other workers, shows us that this is someone that Paul trusted very much and was a person of integrity. This is somebody he could count on. He's asking this person to help them. So Paul said that all his fellow workers, including including those he named here, were in the book of life in that verse, at the very end of verse 3. They're all in the book of life. Well, instead of book, the Greek word used could have even been translated as scroll. So book or scroll, take your pick. But whether it's the book of life or the scroll of life, everyone, everyone who is in Christ, their name is in that book or scroll. And so we we got to remember this, that we have to be careful not to fall away or our names can be removed from that book of life. So we have to be careful how we behave. So we need to take special note of what is being talked about here and watch out that we behave properly. Take a look at verses 4 and 5 as this all connects together as we go through it. So verses 4 and 5. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So Paul first urged and pleaded for peace, for these two women to get along. This wasn't just about peace, but it was also about unity. They needed to behave because they were not united. Paul asked these Christians, the old fellow, the two women, Clement and the rest of the fellow workers, To work together. You guys need to work at this. I'm hearing it. I'm not even there, and I'm hearing what's going on. You guys need to get this under control. You need to work on this. You need to be united. You need to work at peace. So then he followed up by telling them, rejoice. He says it twice for emphasis. Now, usually when we read that, we think, oh, rejoice. Like he's saying, cheer up. You know, have some joy. But that's not quite what he's saying here. He was saying, be happy in the Lord always. The Greek word used here means, and Notice what it says. Be well, or I like the other part, calmly happy. Calmly happy. What, what do you hear when you hear that? Calmly happy. I hear gentleness. I hear peaceful, calmly happy. Well, perhaps Paul told them to rejoice because this incident with the two women had really discouraged the church in Philippi. You know, be calmly happy. Don't let this upset you. Don't let this get to you. And Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always, it was intended for that entire congregation, that entire church. And this was and is a joy that can only be found in Christ, a joy that no one can take away. But notice, he says, he follows that with, be gentle and let that gentleness out so that it can be seen by everybody. Notice, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. So it's not just about a gentleness within you, but it's one that everybody can see, that you let out and everybody can see it. Gentleness can sometimes calm even the angriest person or even the most anxious person, because that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about a situation where two women were misbehaving and there's a lot of anxiety going on for the entire congregation, the entire church. So notice what he says. I'll just read it again. He tells them, He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Then he follows that with, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. We're going to see in the next verse, it says, Do not be anxious. So we can see all this stuff that is happening and that's going on with everyone. So he's trying to bring peace to the situation, is what he's doing. And so, gentleness, as I said, can sometimes calm even the angriest person. And in this situation, it's required. Two women are not getting along. Gentleness is required. It's the kind of thing that is practiced in the healthcare profession. Nurses will usually talk very gently. For what? For in order to bring down anxiety in some patients. Let me give an example. I remember one time I went to a hospital one time, back in, in the East Coast at the hospital there, and I was sitting there waiting in the emergency room. I can't remember what I did. I banged myself many times over the years. But I was sitting there waiting, and this guy came in. He had a big gash in his head. And she's bleeding, and he looked in such bad shape. And the nurse comes up to him, and she says, Oh, my goodness, oh. She said, I think you need a bang aid Don't worry, you'll be okay. The doctor will be here soon. And I thought, are you crazy? Do you need some glasses or something? The guy's bleeding like crazy, Look at a big gash in his head. But after I sat down and I thought about it for a little while, I realized... You know what? No. What she did was exactly how she should have handled it. Because if she would have walked up to the guy and she would have went, Oh my goodness, I'll get you doctor right away. She could have sent that guy into shock, right? He would have went, Is it really that bad? And they just picked it like, Ah, you know. So they have to be calm. They have to be gentle. they got to try to calm that anxiety that people feel when they come in and when they're hurt. And it makes sense. And so gentleness calms a person down And Paul is calling for gentleness here because of what's going on with these two women not getting along and fighting. The wrong attitude only makes things worse, right? What happens when we have the wrong attitude? It fires and it gets things turning the opposite direction you want it to go, right? But Paul wasn't just referring to being gentle towards others. Gentleness is a Christian attitude. It is a characteristic of a Christian. Christians should always be gentle, yet it doesn't mean that they always will, right? A lot of times Christians aren't gentle. They should be. If a person works at gentleness within themselves and with all people, it will slowly change them. It will help them to achieve peace, that peace that they want so much inside. Paul said the Lord is near. Some translations say the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. So it means the same thing. The Lord is close. It means Christ is never far from us, as in he's always near us. He's always with us. Paul could have said this to reassure these Christians. This is reassurance for us as well. It makes perfect sense in the light of the context of what we're reading here. And I like verses 6 and 7 because they go together with what was just said. So verses 4 down to 7. I'll read verses 4 and 5 again and then read 6 and 7 and go with it. Notice what it says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul said, be well, are calmly happy, and be gentle. The Lord is near, so don't be anxious about anything. Perhaps the incident between these two women caused a lot of anxiety for everybody. Sometimes when two people aren't getting along and are fighting, they don't take into consideration everyone around them who's affected by their behavior. You imagine if two—oh, did it again? I did that last week. Imagine two people fighting out in the clothing room or something. Aren't you going to be affected by seeing that? Isn't the whole church going to be affected by that? Some people saying to themselves, "Why are they behaving like that and getting upset?" And some people saying, "Oh my goodness, what's going on? We need to help them." You know, there's going to be a lot of attitudes, a lot of. A lot of anxiety floating around for everybody, right? That's what happens when these things happen. So it says that we have to be careful. We have to be careful of our behavior. We have to think about people around when we behave in a way that's ungodly. These two women are, are behaving ungodly. It's affecting everybody around them. It says we shouldn't be anxious. We shouldn't be anxious. It's not going to help anything. We won't be calmly happy if we're anxious. It's not going to happen. We won't be at peace with ourselves and others if we let anxiety take over. Paul said, take everything to God in prayer. That's how you deal with it. Being at peace with ourselves means relying on God and bringing everything to him and not thinking that we have to carry any burdens alone. But sometimes that's what we do. We forget about God. We think we have to do it ourselves. We put, take on this all this anxiety. We struggle. Well, perhaps that's what's going on here. That's why Paul is telling this loyal yoke fellow, help them. They're fighting. All this anxiety is being created. The church is getting upset. Paul tells the loyal yoke fellow, you know, help these two women. Help them to get along. Help them to be the same mind. Bring peace. Bring about peace in this church. And it makes sense. So we are to cast our anxiety on God. Perhaps Paul was telling these Christians how they should have handled the situation with the two women. We are to take everything to God in prayer, and it says, with thanksgiving. Why do you think he throws that in there? With thanksgiving. We need to be thankful people. Thankful that God allows us this privilege and blessing of approaching him in prayer. Of being able to lay those things at his feet instead of carrying it as a burden. There has to be thankfulness in our hearts when we pray to God. Thankfulness that even that we're Christians, that we are saved people of God. So God wants us to be at peace with ourselves. He wants us to trust his perfect peace that will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is one of the reasons we are to bring everything to him in prayer. It is what helps us to achieve that peace we desire. Don't you feel at peace once you've come to God and you've prayed and you've laid all these things at God's feet? And you've shared all these things with God, all the things that you're struggling with that are causing anxiety? Don't you feel a sense of peace after you've done, you're done praying? Yes, yes. That's the peace that passes all understanding. So now we read verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about those things. Well, Paul told these Christians to think of godly things, things that are excellent, things that are praiseworthy. There'll be times when we as Christians will face hard times. We might possibly face the death in the family. Perhaps we face someone who's persecuting us, getting after us, telling us we're crazy to be Christians. Think of godly things, noble things, pure things, lovely things, Paul said. When you think of godly things, it's kind of hard to let earthly things get to you, right? When you're thinking of godly things, then earthly things don't get to you as much. And it makes perfect sense when we think about the context. Two Christian women not getting along in the church, and the church was feeling it. So Paul says to these Christians, don't be anxious, bring everything to God in prayer, and think about excellent and praiseworthy things. It all goes together. It makes sense. Don't let yourself be affected by what is going on, and just try to help these two women. That's what Paul's saying. He says all these things, he's helping them to realize how they should handle this situation. So let's look at verse 9, and then we'll conclude all of this so verse 9 says this whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen or seen in me put into practice and the God of peace will be with you so when we're fortunate enough to have we're not fortunate enough to have Paul here with us we can't see how Paul lived his life we can read about it in the word of God and so we know that there's a lot of things that we can learn from Paul in his writings. And we know that his writings are inspired by God. We can learn some things about his behavior. We can learn some things about his life. But most importantly, we can learn what he taught. Things that were from God. Things that we can put into practice. By putting all of God's word into practice, we can live a peaceful life. And the peace of God will be with us. So now let me say this. God is a God of peace. He wants his people to be people of peace. And he told us through this text. How we can achieve peace. Notice the things that were said. This is what Paul told us. Be calmly happy. Rejoice. Be gentle. Let your gentleness show. Do not be anxious about anything. Bring all your cares and concerns to God through prayer. These are the things that we're told. And these are the things that we can do. And these things will bring us peace. If we do these things, be calmly happy, calmly happy. Be gentle. Let your gentleness out. Show that gentleness to others. When you practice gentleness, you feel that sense of peace. Don't be anxious. It's not going to help anything. Bring everything to God in prayer instead. We see everything laid out. That's how you bring about peace. God wants us to share our anxieties. He wants us to share our worries, our fears with him, even though he already knows what they are. He's just waiting for us to bring them to him. Bring these things to God in prayer and be at peace with yourself. That is the first step at being at peace with others. So Paul was talking to Christians here specifically in this text. He was talking about the kind of peace that can only come from being in Christ. And that is the peace of God which transcends all understanding. It begins with the good news. It begins with the gospel. And it's interesting, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15, you might remember the section where it's talking about the armor of God. It mentions peace. And it says that that, uh, that the gospel is the gospel of peace. It's called the gospel of peace because it's good news that brings about the kind of peace that God wants you to have. Peace with God then others comes through the gospel of peace. Only when we have responded to the gospel, the good news about Jesus... Can we find true peace? Peace with God and then peace with ourselves. That's what it comes. For those of you who have responded to the gospel, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to do what Paul said in verse 9, and that is put God's word into practice each and every day. Because if you do, the God of peace will be with you, he says. If you're here today and you have not heard the good news and responded to it, I want to invite you this morning to come forward. I want you to come forward and hear the good news of salvation The good news of true peace that comes from being in Christ and then respond to that good news through the waters of baptism. So if you're here today and you haven't done that, if you're not in Christ, won't you do that this morning? Let's stand. We sing our last song in the morning.